Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. It's awesome to see you all out here with us this morning. So cool. It's been an amazing week uh, leading up to kickoff to today. We uh, had a number of different things going on, and uh, Friday was a highlight for me. I don't know how to say this. Um, we had a funeral for Ross Seal, and, and funerals aren't usually a good thing, but it was a highlight for me uh, to be able to just celebrate Ross's faith and his homegoing to be with the Lord and, and just to be able to celebrate together with his family what a legacy he's left us. And so that was awesome. And then, as Gord mentioned, and we had a backyard barbecue yesterday, which was so cool to just see, again, people are from our community, campers and their families and neighbors from around the, the neighborhood here coming out and just hanging with us and having a burger and enjoying some fun together on a beautiful day. And so that was awesome. And I Hope that there are some that are joining us from that uh, yesterday, or here this morning, maybe online this morning. And so welcome to you if you've come on account of that. And then, um, not only that, but um, this morning, um, Jeff and Lindsay Giesbrecht walked in. And Jeff and Lindsay, stand up with, you, with, your, with your crowd. They're home from Africa. So yeah, give them a welcome. We're so excited to see you guys. And um, that lady right over there named Sandy with the permanent grin, that's mom. And she's so excited to see them. That's so cool. So we're excited to see you guys. And that's just like the cherry on the icing on the cake for me today, this morning. Hey, we're, we're uh, excited about kickoff Sunday. Everything was going really well. I can tell Barry's optimistic about where we're going this fall. He was even trying to get you Baptists to clap. So that was really good. Way to go. So I know he's stoked, and I'm stoked about that too. And um, we're going we're gonna to launch into uh, this fall. It's going to be a really great time. I'd venture to say, though, that um, many of us would characterize the last couple of years as having been disorientating, eh? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fair? And even before that, I think that a number of us would have looked around at life and as society as we knew it and would have been concerned about where things were headed. But COVID, and even these post-COVID months, if I would be so bold, could be so bold as to say the post-COVID months, those things have shuffled the deck, I think, even more for us. Things are even more discombobulated than they were before. Many of our lives have been significantly altered. We're living in a different world than we were a couple of years ago. And even if our personal lives haven't changed that much, the rest of the world around us has changed so much to still be disconcerting, disorientating, wouldn't you say? And I think a lot of us keep wondering and even asking the question, when are we going to get back to normal? Well, this morning I would like to submit a question to you, and it's this. Do we really want to go back to normal? 
for a while, I definitely would have counted myself in that category. I would have been excited thinking, let's just get back to where we were and get on with life. Let's get this stuff behind us and get moving again. But now, I have to tell you that I am hoping that we do not go back to normal. It's become my hope, it's become my prayer that we don't go back to what was. That we don't go back to the way things were societally speaking, but especially that we don't go back to where we were in terms of our faith. Even if things were going well, even if things are still going decently for us personally, I think again, as we look back, we would have looked at society and we would have said, man, there's more and more cracks all the time. Something's going to bust here. This thing's going to come apart at the seams. And the fact is, is even if we were doing well and are still doing well, if that wasn't is still the case, then at some point that's going to take us all down with it. Regardless of how well we might be doing individually, as our society cracks and crumbles, it's going to take us out altogether with it. So I am proposing that back to normal is not at all where we want to be going. Instead, I am hoping that we would take this opportunity to set a new course for ourselves and for our lives. And I would trust that as we do that individually, you and I, that then together that we would have an impact on our community that would help them to move into a new course and direction as well. For a while, I hope that COVID would do that for us. That because of COVID, it would cause people to stop and reconsider their lives and look to God. But that hasn't been the case. More so, people have pulled away from God over the course of these last number of months, I think. We look to government today far more than we look to God for help, for support, for answers, for solutions, for the things that we need. And I would submit this morning too that I think that that is also happening within the context of the church. COVID hasn't rallied us as His people. It's disengaged us as His people. Far more so than not. And that begs a question for us all, I think, today. But even though COVID hasn't arbitrarily brought us, brought us back to a return to God, it has provided us with a pregnant opportunity to birth that change. It's given us this perfect opportunity where we can seize that and bring about that change in our own lives and I trust for the world around us. And in fact, God's plan has always been that we, His people, be the change 
So this morning, and through this series, and into this fall and this ministry year, we want to invite you. We want to encourage you. And I hope that we can also inspire you to join us in that effort. And it's not just you, it's us as a staff as well. We're challenging ourselves. We're excited about the idea that we can seize this time now and we can change the way that we look at life, the way that we do life, that we can set a new course and that we can impact our world as we do. To that end, for this year, we have set as our ministry theme that we be doers of the Word and not just hearers. It's based on James chapter 1, verse 22, where James says this, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, that we would not just have faith, and not even that we would just know about our faith, but that we would be doers of our faith. More specifically, that we would not just claim Jesus Christ as our Savior, and that we would know some things about Him, but that we would do what He calls us to do, and that we would be who He calls us to be that we would take His instructions for her, our lives and that we would live them out day in and day out. That we would live them out at home. That we would live them out at work. And that we could here all together live them out as FBC. And that we would do it all for the sake of Jesus Christ and Him alone. So that theme is going to run. That's going to be the lope behind everything that we do for this, the next 12 months. As we've planned our series and so on, that's in the back, background and we'll try and weave it in and out over and over as we go forward this year. And we're going to launch toward that goal this morning with a series that we've called The Just Do It. Now, The Just means those that have been justified by faith in God. That's who we're talking to this morning, is the just. And do it means that we live for Him. So the just live for Him. That's what this is all about. Of course, you'll recognize that this is a play on Nike's slogan, just do it. And of course, that's not by accident either. We've got all this set up here. We've got some decorations and some signs around to remind you that this is the same as like the gym. You don't get bigger muscles by knowing about muscles and by thinking about muscles. You've got to somehow find a way to exercise those muscles. We don't live out our faith by knowing about our faith and by thinking about our faith. We have to put our faith into practice. We have to exercise it. So all this stuff up here is a reminder of that. Everything was going really well until Gord did the announcements and had to talk about me doing some feats of strength. Trust, trust me, I get the irony of me being up here looking like I'm in a gym. <laughs> all right, so I get it. You don't have to remind me of that. 
So we're going to launch this series all towards this goal of being doers of the Word and not just hearers by looking at the book of Ephesians. And I'm excited about this. Not surprisingly, perhaps, Ephesians is said to have been John Calvin's favorite letter. The popular commentator William Barclay called Ephesians the queen of the epistles. John McKay, the former Princeton president, or president of the Princeton Theological Seminary, said that Ephesians is, and I quote, the distilled essence of the Christian religion, the most authoritative and most consummate compendium of our holy Christian faith. Now there's an endorsement right there. Francis Fawkes said, summarizing Ephesians, that Ephesians is the eternal purpose of God, which He is fulfilling through His Son, Jesus Christ, the working out, uh, sorry, and working out in and through the church. Wow. And John Stott considered Ephesians the most contemporary book in the Bible for our world today, since it promises community in a world of disunity. Reconciliation in place of alienation. And peace instead of war. Don't we need that today? Community in a world of disunity. Community, reconciliation, I'm sorry, in place of alienation and peace instead of war. And I hope that even at that you're getting excited because that gets my blood pumping when I think about these things and when we think about what God has for us in this book of Ephesians. So let's just pray, and then we're going to do it. You get the impression. You get it. Now, it doesn't, it's bad, but it, you get the idea. Whoa, we're going to pump you up. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, this morning, God, I pray that you would come now, that you would overcome us. That by your Spirit, that you would work in our hearts, that you would awaken us as your people. that you would work in such a way now that you would help us to lean into you, that you would inspire us, encourage us, invigorate us to go out and act on our faith, that you would make us doers and not just hearers of your word. So to that end, God, I ask for your blessing and I commit us now this time and this series, this ministry year, all to you, all for Christ's sake and in his name I pray. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 1. And this morning we're going to tackle verses 1 to 14. Let me just say this. We're not going to have a chance to get to everything in each of the chapters of Ephesians. So I would encourage you, I would really encourage you, go home and just start and read Ephesians with us over and over, over the next number of weeks. Because we're not going to be able to cover it all. And even the things that we're going to be able to cover, we're not going to be able to dive into in depth, which is just tragedy in some respects, but it's good because it gives us something to come back to at some time. So anyhow, long story short, Bruce and I recognize that we're limited in that, so that's why we're encouraging you to read it yourselves, have the Holy Spirit speak to you even above and beyond the things that we are able to do and cover together here Sunday mornings. 
So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14 starts off, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and we've got to stop there right now, right off the hop. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. By the will of God, Paul says. Two things here on this point. Paul is saying that this has nothing to do with him. He's telling us as his readers, then and now, that what he's about to write, this has nothing to do with him. This is all about God. It's by the will of God. So we need to understand that this morning. It's no merit of Paul's. It's no merit of mine. What comes next? It's all only by God and of his will. But secondly then, this also points to God's authority. That Paul is saying that what is coming next, what he's about to unpack for us in this book, in this letter, is according to the will of God. Therefore, what he's about to unpack comes with God's authority. Not Paul's. Again, not mine. So this morning, as we dive into this book of Ephesians, as it is with all Scripture, but I'll remind you again specifically today, as we dive into this book of Ephesians, that this is a, God's authoritative Word to you and I today. That He is speaking into our lives. Saying, hey, this is the deal. This is the way it works. And so we don't have this opportunity, we don't have this option of checking in and checking out. Of dabbling here but not dabbling there. Of accepting this and rejecting that. God's Word comes with authority for us today and we have to submit to the authority of God's Word. That's not popular today having to submit. We don't hear that very often anymore, that we have to come under the authority of God's Word, that we have to bring our lives into line with what God has to say. But that's the deal, kids. Oh, I'm starting to talk to you like my kids. Sorry. That's the deal, church family. Church friends. My kids are going to the gym. I talk to them like that. i got to remember... You're looking at them Craigs here this morning. I have to remind myself that God could snap me like a matchstick. <laughs> so it comes with authority this morning. But, but don't hear that in a negative way. Don't hear that as God putting you under his thumb this morning and say, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to make it happen. Going to force you into a mold. Going to stick it to you. Not at all. We ask these questions in life, don't we? Like, what's my purpose? What's this all about? Why am I here? What can I count on? How do I build my life on something firm? And this is what God is saying. He said, this is, this is how you do it, guys. I'm going to lay it out for you right here. I'm going to give you the deal. It's going to give you perspective. It's going to give you bearing. It's going to give you a foundation that you can work on. And thankful for the authority of God's Word that gives me an anchor in my life by which I know how to navigate some of the disorientating stuff that we find in life 
not the least of which has been the last few years. Paul carries on now. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from the God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So by that we know, we understand that Paul is writing to those that have placed their faith in Christ. Those that have come to the point where they recognize Jesus Christ as God. Come to earth to speak to us. And not just speak to us, but also to live and die in order to pay the penalty of our sin. So he's talking to those that are on board with that this morning. And this series is similarly aimed at the just as I mentioned earlier, which is to say those of us that have subscribed to that, those of us that are on board with Jesus today. But if you are here this morning, if you're here this morning and you haven't come to that point yet, then again, welcome. Thanks for being here. And I trust that you're here because you're interested in what church stuff business is. Maybe what you're trying to investigate God and who he's is and what he's all about and so on and so forth. And I would just remind you again of what John McKay says. Ephesians sets out the essence of the Christian faith. You didn't pick a better time to come than now. Because you're going to find out what this whole Bible thing is all about through this series. So stay tuned and, and please come back. Verse 3, continue on. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And we've got to stop there again. Jesus did a whole lot more on Calvary, at Calvary, as He died and rose again, than just pay for our salvation. This is such a treasure trove of of Scripture, of, of doctrine. He, at that point, He didn't just pay for our salvation. He didn't just seal our future as we put our faith in Him, but He bought for us every spiritual blessing through the Holy Spirit that God has given us everything that we need, everything that we need through what Christ accomplished and has opened up as a possibility for you and I today through our relationship with Him. For He, which is God, chose us in Him, who is Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. So already now, Paul's beginning to articulate for us God's plan. But we need to stop here and we need to recognize that, God, or that, that Paul is also addressing our purpose. And he says that we have been chosen to be holy and blameless in God's sight. That Jesus didn't come just to save us from hell. Which He did. And which is significant, but far more than that, He's called us now to something. He didn't just save us from hell. He's saved us for a purpose. And that purpose is namely then to be holy and blameless in His sight. And that in that then, as we rise to that, as we lean into that, as we allow and engage with the Holy Spirit to work that out and accomplish that in our lives, then that we would then become Christ's ambassadors in the world. And beyond that even, that we would then become a part of the church, that God would make us into the church, His body, which is the means by which God has chosen to change life as we know it. 
We've been saved to become holy and blameless. We've been saved to become a part of God's body so that he can work in and through us to accomplish the plan that he has set out, not just for us, but for everything, for his creation, now and for the future. We are a part of that. Let's carry on. In love, he, which is again God, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, that is Jesus, he loves. In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Paul's unpacking further God's plan that in his grace, that is God's grace, his plan was to provide us for the redemption with the redemption that we need for our sin through his chosen son, Jesus Christ. And specifically, that we would be forgiven for our sin because of Christ's death and resurrection as we place our faith in him. Now this passage begs questions about predestination, which we don't have time to get into today. But I think far more importantly than that subtopic, if you will, far more importantly than the debate and discussion over predestination, we profit this morning as we recognize here, as we see God's intentionality and deliberateness What we should see and take away from here is that God has a plan. God has a plan. It's a complete plan. It was formulated before time began and it is playing out now day by day exactly according to how he understands it and sees it and the way that he intends it to be. He's not making it up as he goes. He's not trying to figure it out on the fly. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's bringing that about day by day. What's interesting here too is that someone far smarter than me has pointed out that this fact then gives history significance. Out of eternity, God has morphed into this plan in which he's incorporated us into the context of time in order to accomplish his revelation to us. And what's more is it gives significance to the future because this plan continues on through time until once again he merges that with eternity, if you will. Which we see next. Carry on. Paul continues. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In other words then, that God in Christ has made known to us his will. And therefore, reality things as they really are. And that one day, all things 
will be brought into unity completely under Jesus. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. The implication then being that even now, though, we should be focused on moving into unity under Christ. That we would be bringing ourselves in line with God's character and His instruction. That we would be unified with Him. Which is to say then that our egos would be parked and the, the, the divisions that come as a result would be abandoned. And that we as followers of Christ would be united together as His followers. You and I, united together as His followers. And that together then we would be united with Him. That our will would be the same as His will. We begin to see that in the next verses. We've got to run here. We've got to fly. I'll try and read fast. Verse 11, In Him we... Now Paul's switching gears here. He says we. He's talking about the Jewish people. He was a Jewish person. So in Him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Oh, I wish we could go back and dive into that a little bit more. In order that we, again, the Jews, who were the first to be put, to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you, Paul says, writing to the Ephesians and writing to you and I today here in Lloydminster, FBC Lloydminster, and you Gentiles also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Oh, again, we could just go into that for a while. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our now, our, we the Jews, you the Gentiles, now our who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Yeah, I was waiting for an amen, Bob. So God's purpose for us to be blameless and holy and to unify everything under Christ gives us direction and perspective today that we can be working on now as His people. We have purpose. We have direction. We have perspective day by day. We don't get up in the morning wondering what to do. We don't get up in the morning wondering who to be. We've got a game plan right here. We're not to wait for this to happen one day. One day down the road. One day when we hit heaven. We need to be working on becoming holy and blameless now. Unified with Christ. Unified with each other. Now. Not only for our own sakes, as we mature in our faith with God, but also, as we get to the end of verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but for a long time, 
I used to struggle with this whole idea of doing everything to the glory of God. It's all to the praise of God, to the glory of God. And, so, and I could not get my head wrapped around the fact that this is not egotistical. It just struck me as him being egotistical. God, and I knew God was good, and I knew he was big, and yada, da, yada, da, but I just uh, struggle with this. And it just seems so egotistical. But I have come to appreciate that it is not at all that God is egotistical. And one of the things that has helped me to understand that significantly is John Stott's explanation of the glory of God. His definition of the glory of God. And that's, the, it's, that's this, that we should understand the glory of God as the revelation of God. And as I started to connect those dots, as that started to sink home for me, then it started to make so much more sense as to what Paul was writing about, what he's pointing us to. In this instance, then here, in verse 14, to the praise of His revelation. Then it's to the praise of His revelation that we would be doing all of these things to the praise of God's revelation. To His recognition. To His acknowledgement. To His affirmation. Of His res- revelation to us. As to who He is and what He's all about. So it's not that God is arbitrarily demanding praise on account of His ego this morning. It's not that at all. It is just us offering our praise justifiably as He reveals Himself to us. And as we come to recognize and acknowledge the overwhelming significance of His goodness and His grace and His greatness. You know what it's like when you see someone do something amazing. Right? Maybe you're watching America's Got Talent. And you see somebody come out and they do something, and you just stop and you look at that and you go, whoa, that is amazing. That's the glory of God. That when we come to that point where we start to see Him as He's revealed Himself to us, as we see His grace to us in providing a way for us through this mess of sin, through Jesus Christ, as we see His goodness to us as He cares for us and as He provides for us, as He shows us a path through the disorientating times of our lives, as we see His greatness in His creation and in His plan, and then, then as we just stop back, step back and go, oh, wow, that's amazing. So, John Stott says, to help round us this out and help us understand, to live to the praise of the glory of God is to both worship Him ourselves by our words and our deeds and to cause others to see and to praise Him too. That's what the glory of God is all about. 
that we would come to that point where we would see him and then we would just praise him because we look and say, that's awesome. And that we would come to that point where we would be able to help others see him too so that they could stop and say the same thing. Church family, this morning, the just do it. The just live to praise God and help others to find him and praise him too. Will you join us? Will you sign up with us? Will you commit yourself, as we commit ourselves, to stepping it up in our efforts to live for him? Let's pray. Father God, and now, I pray that your word would not return to you void today. That you would fulfill that promise to us, that you would sink it deep into our hearts and into our minds. And that it would provoke then a response from us to you, where we praise you and where we commit ourselves to helping others to do the same thing. So to that end, God, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. We need you to come alongside us to provide for us what we need to accomplish this. That you would help us as your people to go out and live for you. So I ask again for your blessing. I ask that for all of your people here, for each one that's tuned in and watching online. And I pray, God, that you would change us, that you would grow us, that you would make us doers and not just hearers. All for Jesus, and in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, when you came in this morning, some of you might have got one of these or something similar there too. This is a sticker. And it's not just something to send you home with like a little, what do you want to call it? What are those swag bags? I heard that whatever that thing is that the next award ceremony that they're going to, the, the celebrities are getting a swag bag worth $75,000. Can you believe that? Honestly, can you believe that? Seventy-five grand includes a, a, a safari to Africa, Jeff. I, are they coming to your place? It's crazy. Anyways, this, is like, I mean, this is, wasn't our feeble attempt at, at a swag bag for you. This is actually something that we would like you to take. It's a sticker. I want you, if you're, if you're willing, if you're ready, if you're game to step it up, Take this home and stick it somewhere. Somewhere that you'll see it. Somewhere that it will be a reminder to you that we do it. That we live it. We live out our faith. We share our faith. So put it on your mirror in your sink, over your sink in your bathroom or stick it on your bumper on the car, something. 
where you're going to see it regularly and often and, and God would use it to just remind you, let's do it. Let's do it. Grab one of those if you didn't get one on your way in, on the way out. And it wouldn't be kickoff Sunday if it wasn't donuts and cronuts. So have a great week. Enjoy a donut and cronut and we'll see you next Sunday.